Have you ever felt so exhausted and drained that you're left questioning if you're burning out? Hi, I'm Flick Taylor, and my passion for burnout and self-care came about when I became a mental health writer who'd lost her mental health to extreme burnout. I know, the irony is not lost on me. Join me as I host Everyday Burnout Conversations, the honest podcast that shares the stories of others from all walks of life as they recover from, manage and avoid burnout by prioritising their mental health and well-being. Expect to hear fascinating conversations, plus positive and actionable tips and tricks that can help you make the simple life changes your mental health will thank you for. Episodes will be delightfully wrapped up in some epic truths and great humour. So, enjoy! Hello, hello. I'm ending season three with a gem because today I chat with comedian, content creator, author and mum of two, Victoria Eames. You may already know Victoria. We all adore her for being Instagram's unfiltered mumhood legend who is a genius at addressing the unspoken taboos of raising small humans with brutal honesty and razor sharp wit, as well as co-hosting the No Holes Barred podcast with Laura from Knee Deep in Life. Victoria's hilarious I Will Survive parody. It went viral during the pandemic and it's now been included in the British Film Institute archives documenting the nation's lockdown experience through film. And recently she published her brilliant and humorous guide Welcome to Motherhood Bitches, the real guide to pregnancy, birth and beyond. This is the book I wish I'd had when I was pregnant and navigated the rough terrain of motherhood in those first few years. I adore how it explores the lesser spoken physical, emotional and mental aspects of pregnancy, birth and postpartum. It's funny, honest, informative and set to comfort mums when feeling lost and lonely. I believe it's a book you need to grab a couple of copies of because you're going to want to pass it on to friends as well as rereading a page or two for some much needed solace and laughs on those dodgy days. In this conversation, Victoria discusses the need for humour when navigating the challenges of uh, motherhood, how she began sharing her hilarious Instagram videos that resonate with so many and soothe our souls, let's face it, the importance of setting boundaries around time and energy in the name of her self-care and anxiety management, the challenges of being on social media both as a creator and consumer, her favourite parts of writing her book, the three self-care foundations she practices, the importance of talking to help chip away at that dreaded shame and guilt that some parenting days can bring. And she talks about the female friendships that she cherishes to help her get through the tough times. Now, a quick warning, this podcast is gloriously fruity and sweary at times. So just grab your headphones and get set to enjoy both wisdom and laughs aplenty with the mighty, fabulous Victoria Eames. Oh, Victoria, you are Instagram's unfiltered mumhood legends <laughs> and I bloody adore you. Oh, thank you. It's <laughs> lovely to meet you. Oh, thank you for coming on because honestly, I really wish I'd had I really, I really wish I'd had you when I was a younger mom. <laughs> but the, the work you're doing and the messaging you're putting out is just helping so many women out there because Thank it's you. bloody hard. I know it is bloody hard. Yeah, you're right. And um, I mean, you know what? I even I've been I've been doing uh, Instagram for about four years now, okay. and I have seen a massive change in the culture online of mums being more honest now. I do think that there's a much bigger community of us telling it like it is than there used to be when I started doing it. Um, yeah. It's definitely expanded, and I find that very heartwarming. <laughs> I do. Oh, <laughs> that other people are struggling well, and talking about it. Yeah, aren't we all? Aren't we all? And I think there's something, because here's the thing, like when you're struggling, when you're exhausted, depleted, like trying to balance kids and doctor's appointments and everything, you yeah. feel really alone. You, your brain automatically goes to, why is everyone else managing this it. and I'm not? Yeah, And exactly. it's just so lovely to see your honest videos <laughs> It's like therapy for me as well, I think, because, um, you know, it's an outlet, isn't it? It's a release from 
being a mum and just injected a bit of humour into it it makes those really hard moments much more bearable especially when I do post something and I get like a really positive reaction and lots of women saying you know oh yeah this echoes my experience or whatever that's nice that's a, I, I love that part of my job I really do yeah yeah there's nothing better than getting a message of someone saying oh my god I also felt that way yeah. and you've just made me feel so much better you're like yeah exactly All right, then. Done. yeah Oh, nice. Nice. We'll all be miserable bitches together. (laughs) We'll all sit in the shit together. (laughs) And this is where your humour is just, oh, it's just like a beacon of light. Oh, thank you. you. Yeah. Now, have you always done this? Been funny. Yeah, I've always been funny, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Have I always done this? What do you mean? Like, what, being on social media and have you had got any performing background right because you're so bloody good at it oh my god i love this podcast um no i don't uh i before this job oh actually you know this only turned into what you'd class as a proper paid job probably about two and a half years ago so even less than that maybe um yeah so it wasn't a job in the sense I got paid to do it before it was just a bit fun and um I started doing it when I was on maternity leave from my job in a secondary school as communications manager that's what I used to do um when I was on maternity leave with my son and then it just kind of took off really and it just grew and weirdly I wasn't even posting pictures or videos because videos wasn't video wasn't really a thing back then yeah yeah it was all photos you know like Instagram has only really transitioned to being that real real video heavy since TikTok came along yeah um, before that, it was just photos, and it was always the captions where I came into my element. Um, and we did have the story, and then video stories. That was a big thing yeah. for me and my account, I think, because it was just very casual, and you just chatting to camera, weren't you? Just chatting shit to camera. Um, and uh, yeah, it was it was more the sort of captions, and I really enjoyed the writing element of it, and writing about my experiences of motherhood. Um, and then the stories would just kind of be a little bit of an echo of that, but just in a much more informal way. And then it wasn't until I was pregnant with my second child that I signed up because I was I was posting photos of interiors of all things, which seems my week all just interiors. Yeah, beautiful. And the thing is, and now I follow your other interiors. <laughs> yeah, <do you? laughs> yeah. I literally I was like, I wonder how a parquet flooring set. I need to. I need to like, look. Is it all I need good? To look. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I started doing. So that was the kind of um yeah, initial thing that I was posting was just photos in my house. Because I was obviously, you know, your intensity, you're in your house all the fucking time as well. And yeah. I've always loved interiors, that's always been my thing. Um and then uh, yeah, I just got a bit bored of it because it was kind of just, you know, posting photos of fucking cushions. You're like, oh, this isn't really bringing much to my sort of sense of creativity. And uh, one day I just got into a gold leotard and did a video and I was like eight months pregnant and it went mental. <laughs> and I found I did, it was so much fun to film. I absolutely loved it. And the fact that people really enjoyed, you know, watching it, that I just started to slowly experiment with doing more video that was about the motherhood sort of stuff. And um, yeah, and then I, it just took off really. And that's I just thought, you know, this is what I want to be doing. I don't want to take pictures in my house anymore. It's dull. Um, I, you know, I, I love all that stuff. I still follow loads of interiors accounts, but it wasn't fulfilling me. So, yeah, then I just went really heavy on the uh, funny video vibes and um, loved it. And I've never looked back since. Never looked oh, back. They're absolutely bloody brilliant. They really are. Because <laughs> you're just so real in them, you know. And it's funny because I say, you know, you're, you're sharing all these really hilarious and like, you know, they're just really reassuring uh, videos but you also I can remember it was like last autumn and you shared a video just going okay guys I was gonna do concert today but honestly I just can't be asked I feel really yeah. shit I'm just gonna see and I saw that one I was like oh she is fantastic because <laughs> we're all having those days you know? I know I know this is the I think this is the tricky thing with social media especially for mums is that Obviously, everyone's only ever showing like highlights, aren't they? Yeah. It, when, even when you choose to do something like I do, that's not necessarily the norm of showing the picture perfect ideal of motherhood. I'm making funny content. That takes so much time. It takes so much mental energy. It takes creativity, all the rest of it. And I, I would say I, I struggle to produce that content 
90% of the time because I'm doubting myself. I'm yeah. doubting that it's funny. I don't have the time. I haven't, haven't got the energy. And like, even though it's my job, but there's loads of other things going on. I, I just feel a bit shit. Like, you know, yeah, all those things play into it. So even though I am, and you know, I see lots of other, and also I feel really inferior a lot of time to other people that are doing it too, that are just bashing out content all the time. And I'm like, Oh my God, how are you doing that? You know, I, I just, I don't understand how they can produce so much all the time and be mums. I find that really makes me feel really intimidated. And then it can be this vicious cycle of like self-comparison and blah, blah, blah. And that is the issue with social media, I think, is that it does breed this insecurity in all of us, no matter how that manifests. It's really hard not to let it get to you sometimes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, if we could all be like 50-year-old white middle-class men. Yeah. <laughs> We'd be like, I am fantastic. And I yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, oh. It is hard. And, well, let's face it, the ones who are knocking out content left, right and centre, they have staff. I know. That's what I think. It's like you must have support because I don't know how you And do a lot. That. Yeah, yeah, and a lot. I know I've definitely done that. I've gone down the comparison route. Yeah. I made myself feel awful. I know. And then I found out that they've got, you know, a sound editor, this and that. And you're exactly. like, actually, I know, it's just me in my pajamas. Yeah. Same. That, that's the same as me. So I do everything. Like even our podcast, we record, but I edit our podcast as well. Yeah, so, yes. yeah, I do. So, you know, we did have someone doing it for a while, but um, it just it just made more sense for me to do it because obviously it was free. Um, but also yeah. I just I actually did it better than the person that was editing it. <laughs> because so you're like that. yeah and, and I, always, I always do it immediately after record so I know exactly what we talked about and it's all fresh in my brain yeah. and I can just bash it out really quickly so yeah but you know I think that's the thing as mums we're, we're if you work or not we're always juggling a million and one things and not that's not not even talk about the fucking mental load as well of like you know putting the washes on doing getting the kids school uniform sorted for Monday that's one that really pisses me off I don't think my husband ever ever consciously never. think oh shit have we got enough jumpers to get Oliver through the week do you know what I mean yeah it's that never. kind of thing it's like it's always in my mind and oh it's just yeah I, I'm I just feel like a nutcase 99% of the time mate <laughs> I've got no. too much going on I've too much going on oh, I'd God. love to say when they get older it gets easier no no, no it's just still... different challenges isn't it yeah, literally, I've got like five school shirts hanging up drying. They've got to dry yeah. within the next two hours. Yeah, Otherwise, oh, like, I'm going to have to <laughs> shove them in the oven or the microwave or something. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> get the hair dryer on it. We've been there. We've all been there. <laughs> <laughs> it's never a dull moment. But I can remember reading in Annie Riddout's book, Shine. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. It talked about you and how yeah. like, you've actually had to kind of overcome the shyness to produce your video content as well. Oh, my God, yeah. No, I, so, I, as a child, so I'm one of four children. So you kind of think like being a part of a big family, you'd be quite bullshit and confident because I'm the third child as well. But um, I wasn't at all. I've yeah. always been incredibly shy. Like I, my mum said, you know, out of four of us, I would never speak to anybody when we ever went into places there was new people. I hated it. I would literally hide under her skirt. And I, 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 I really struggle with it now as an adult. And I, I know that doesn't seem to make any sense on paper because of what I do. But the thing that I think people forget is that there is a massive detachment from reality creating content for the internet. Because if I had to do what I did in front of an audience, it would be shit. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to do it. Like I'm not a performer in that sense of like, I get absolutely nothing from standing in front of a crowd and delivering whatever. I've done a, a fair amount of sort of public events since I've had this job and been asked on panels and all that sort of thing. And to be honest, uh, you know, I, I always did things like, okay, well, this might benefit my career in some way, but I have not enjoyed a single one of them. And I'm quite a flighty person anyway. Like I think I have, I'm, I have got anxiety and that anxiety just goes through the fucking roof when I'm in that sort of situation where I have to do any public speaking. And the adrenaline for me just takes over my entire it's such a visceral experience the adrenaline that pumps through my veins that I feel like I've been in a boxing ring afterwards and it's just kind of it's not it's just not really worth it for me the experience it's like what did I actually get out of that 
nothing I would say like very little and I spend the whole time being so fucking terrified and just thinking I'm going to shit myself on stage or throw up that it's like is this enjoyable why am I doing this whose benefit is this for it's certainly not for my own but I kind of just made a decision not really to do those things anymore and and I find that the internet is just even though I've probably got a much I'll reach a much wider audience than I ever would if I was stood on the stage I just don't think about it like that. There is no audience. It's really strange. It's a really surreal sort of concept, isn't it? That you've got like potentially 165, which is how many followers have a thousand people watching your stuff. Put those people in a room. I would never be able to go in front of them. But online, there's this security that I can be completely myself with no fear of, I suppose it comes back to the fear of being judged, isn't it? Really what all that stuff is about that I will be judged I am judged and I get people saying bullshit stuff but um it doesn't I don't know I can just I can deflect it when I'm online it's it's really it's safe it just feels safe to me so that's why I can be completely not a wanker on the internet and not worry about it (laughs) well I think you're a fucking fantastic wanker darling I think you're brilliant (laughs) I mean listening to that I have to say I'm sat there going oh well done because I mean, first of all, you're putting content out there and it kind of, it's at your comfort level, but you're helping so many people. So that's a great big bloody tick. But also I'm listening to it and I'm like, oh, you're doing what I didn't do. You're putting in boundaries and actually looking after yourself and going, you know what? I mean, you you know, you're raising two young kids. That's enough in the day as it is. You're actually putting in the boundaries and going, ah, that's not going to make me feel great. So I won't do it. And I didn't do that. And I think that's fantastic that you're, you know, you're still looking after yourself, which is brilliant, you know? Yeah, it's hard, isn't it? I think probably women as well, especially when you're in that sort of like, you've got this career, which by the way, I'd never asked for. This wasn't an ambition of mine. It just happened. And then once I was in it, it's just, it's amazing. Like the freedom that it brings. Cause I, I work on my own terms. I have an agent. So she deals with all of my sort of brand partnerships, which is how I make money is the brand partnerships and a bit of money from podcast too, but not enough to be like a full on yeah. income. Um, I, I think there's just this pressure to like always push yourself and be like this bad, bad badass bitch and all this sort of stuff. And I think actually not, <laughs> Yeah, like we have enough fucking pressure on us to be uh, all these different things to everybody. Why then just throw that into the mix as well? Like I don't know. Maybe I'm just not mad ambitious. I don't know. Um, but for me, I just like I said, it just it just isn't worth it really. For the I can remember doing one and being so wired afterwards that I didn't go to sleep until three o'clock in the morning and just being like paced in the room like a nutcase. It was like, oh my God, I, I could I just like, I, I can't eat. And the minute I start, once I know I've got something in the diary, that's it for me, weeks of anxiety leading up to it. Always going back to, I've got to do that thing. I've got to do that thing. And you know, there's all these bloody guru people that are like put yourself outside your comfort zone all that shit i'm no thanks i like to stay firmly in my comfort zone because <laughs> i know that that's what's best for me you know yeah you have done and i've done like i've done those things and i feel like i'm I've, I've done enough things that have pushed me outside my comfort zone to know that i don't want to go back out there again so i'm quite happy as i am you know i don't mind doing stuff over zoom again because it's it's, it's that detachment from reality isn't it you know, well, this, I'm, yeah. this is not like this. This is lovely. Having a chat with someone that's lovely is, oh, I enjoy that. But yeah, like doing a panel or whatever in front of people, no. It's just, well, because those people ask me, oh, you should do stand up. I'm like, no, I shouldn't. I really shouldn't. I'm not built for it. But that's what's so great about the internet and social media is that for people like me that really want to be funny and have funny ideas and all the rest of it, we have an outlet which we didn't have 10 years ago you know yes and and therefore i feel like that just opens the doors up for so many hilarious people that just otherwise would never get the opportunity because they're just too frightened or too scared to stand on a stage and you know deliver jokes to an audience so yeah oh i think it's fantastic i mean i I love how you look after yourself um because we have to because i think a lot of women that i speak to we already have it it's built within us 
have this crippling, like bloody imposter syndrome and negative self-talk. And, you know, why we should be doing, I know what you mean when gurus say, you know, get out your comfort zone. Actually, it's, it's like so hard on my nervous system to <laughs> do it. something like that. And you're right. <laughs> yeah. It's not like we go and do it and then go, okay, now we're going to go to a spa for a weekend. No, which is what it. you need. Yeah. We come back and sort out dinner and exactly. then do the washing of the school uniform. Yeah. And we're doing 50 things that I just think, yeah. I, I love how you're you're very aware. You're not pushing yourself because I I, I see a lot of women do that. Yeah. I was one of them. Yeah. And and I just it really worries me. And especially for parents, like we're still trying to raise our kids within a pandemic. Oh no. Oh no. Yeah, all of that. It's just yeah, I think I think uh, in some ways, you know, this might sound really depressing, but I feel like it's not too late for our generation. But I think we've been so indoctrinated by so many things to, like yeah. you say, to have that inbuilt sense of worthlessness and like we've got to be this, this, and this in order to be considered acceptable by society, whatever. I I just really hope that that's, and I do see it. I think seeing young people on social media, like there's lots of activist young women that are amazing and they're really challenging misogyny and all this shit and that gives me real hope for like my daughter who's only three even the way that I talk to her you know it's so different to how I was spoken to when I was a child and just not focusing on those you know make yourself smaller all that kind of shit you know like be compliant be a good girl all that crap I mean listen my daughter is she she tests me if any human on this earth is going to kill me it's her (laughs) Because I have never known a will like it. But this is even something, just a real small nuance thing, right? So my parents, who I have, you know, I'm not slagging them off at all. They they raised me in in an 80s way, let's put it that way. Yes. You know what I mean? It's not their fault. It's a generational thing. Yeah. Anyway, so with my daughter, um, my dad is just so like, oh, she's so stubborn. She's so stubborn. It's like, I'm like, no, no, no. We don't call her stubborn. She's willful and she's determined. And we say she's determined. Like even that, you know, like taking away that negative connotation of her, of her fucking personality. That's her personality. No one's teaching her that. That is just what she's like. And I think I was like her as a child, but it was just slowly sort of beaten out of me by society as I was gonna say. so many women. And I don't want that for her. I want to nurture it, even though she will fucking kill me. I know she will. <laughs> it's true. But you just want to fan those flames because you're like, don't, like, don't oh, dilute yourself. Keep going. Exactly. Oh my God. I'm gonna... And then maybe she can overcome my trauma of not being able to stand on stage and deliver. And she'll be able to do it because she'll have enough self-belief. <laughs> Oh, she is a gem. I love the videos of like your hero in the background. Oh it's my god! Like you that know, kid. Honestly, oh, she's nearly killed me this year. We've had I, that's the other thing too with the whole career thing and being online and having to make content. And you know, and I don't have a full time job in the sense that I do nine to five. But but you're always that, on. Oh my god! Like it's the hardest thing I've ever done for so many yeah. for so many reasons. It is the most challenging job that I've ever done in my whole life. And you know, the trolls will go mental for that. So they'll be like, nah, you don't know anything. It's like fuck off, mate. You haven't got a clue. Yeah. But it is, and it's like you said. There's no switch off point. It's really hard to switch off from it. And sometimes I really feel, and I, I do do this now, and I'm I never used to do this, but when I can feel myself getting to that burnout point, which does yeah. happen. Yeah. I just say, right, I've got to get offline. I can't go on it. Because even consuming it, even if I'm not putting it out there every day, even consuming it can just make my head go a bit, you know. <laughs> so I have to go, okay, I'm having a week off. And a lot of times I try to do that, um, especially now that my son's at school, around the school holidays. Because yeah. I I don't, I want to be present. As boring as fucking is it is, it is boring at the school holidays. They're coming up here. And uh, that's two weeks of like, you know, great every day with my kids. <laughs> oh, although he is going to a um, like a holiday club for four days. Um, so it's only seven days that we've got to fill. Uh, <laughs> but it, like, it, like, I think it's good to have it around those times because then I can just be focused on him. And it's really, it is a worry doing that because then you're like, oh shit, it's going to really affect my accounts. It does really affect your account. Um, and this is the thing as well to remember about social media and 
the nature of it is that it has been designed to make us completely addicted to it yeah and and that you want to be on it all the time you get withdrawal from not being on it and then also it rewards you for being on there all the time which i get so fucking angered about i think it's so unhealthy especially for young people like you know if you if you can stand back from it and recognize that and go okay that i'm not going to be part of this machine even though i have to be because it is my job but i'm going to take breaks from it and i'll i know it will affect my account but i'll recover it's fine but do you know what I mean? It's like, I, I really don't like that element of it. It's like, it rewards you for being on there all the time. Yeah. That's that's fucking bullshit. But it's just, it's designed that way, isn't it? It's designed for bloody psychologists to make us there. Uh, uh, I need more, I need more, you know? It's so true. It's so oh, true. But you yeah. do a good job of having, and you do a good job of showing that as well. Like I've seen one of your videos where you've come on and said, I've been off for 15 days yeah, and yeah. it was great. It was hard. I missed <laughs> yeah. you. But that's really important to show other people because there's yeah. going to be people out there who are addicted to it. Like it's, you know, because certainly like I live in Canada and I still feel incredibly British and I still struggle here. You, you, it's kind of like my community. Exactly. Like, you know, it know. feeds me. Yeah. So, but it's addictive. I know. It's so yeah. addictive. Because it releases dopamine in the way that fucking heroin does. So, yeah. you know, and then you get a withdrawal from it and you're like, right, a quick fix. It's all, I think these days we're all just like quick fix, quick fix, aren't we? We don't really focus on the long term. No. Which, because the long term <laughs> requires thought and commitment and that shit is that's hard especially when we're mums and we're just like <laughs> like all the time you know it's hard yeah yeah we want that um we want that hamster Treadmill. wheel of just i know just giving yeah. to others and then and instead of um sitting back and relaxing and taking time for ourselves to just be with our thoughts yeah we're kind of trying to battle with that in a narrative that says we're not good enough and then we're like trying to do 50 things to make us feel good like it's yeah. exhausting yeah i know you know that things are gone tits up when you're like oh my god i need to journal i haven't journaled oh my god i better put a send a can of i need to run a bell oh, i'm a run a bell you know it's like oh my god the self-care is now stressing me out fucking hell <laughs> so true that's what really (laughs) concerns me especially for moms parental burnout like you know let's face it like parenting is just depleting anyway and the minute you get up it's just like depletion until the end of the day yeah yeah Yeah, absolutely so without we don't need self-care being put on the to-do list no but it's so difficult trying to innately go through your day looking after yourself when you walk up in the 80s and you didn't see that but but I love how you're putting the message out there that you know just be yourself just do what what works for you I really get that from you I think it's fantastic oh thank you I'm doing it (laughs) I'm doing it I'm being myself yeah It's just, it's so important because I don't know. You see, this is why I wish I'd had your book when I, when I was, when my boys were little. Yeah. Because the honesty, first of all, it is so funny. Thank you. (laughs) Oh my God. The minute I read about McTitties. Yeah. I was just like, oh my God, here we go. Like just so funny. But it's literally just sharing all that information that we didn't get in those lovely NCT classes. Yeah. You know, yeah. I didn't. Yeah. I think the other thing as well, because when I started out writing it, it, I wasn't really that sort of crystal clear about what direction it was going to take. And then it very quickly sort of became something that was sort of almost, it wasn't really about me. It was about, the universal experience of becoming a parent and going through pregnancy and birth and postpartum bit, whatever, and how to survive it. But not from like an anecdotal point of view of like, you know, oh yeah, do this, blah, blah, blah. A lot of the stuff in there that I shared is around research. And so even though I'm making humor of it, like explaining why your nipples become digestive biscuits and are like, (laughs) but there's a scientific reason for that happening and explaining that alongside it. 
because I think doing that just makes the experience feel less terrifying and like oh okay oh right yeah that makes sense and then actually that in itself then it makes you realize that that's going to happen to nearly all women because it's a biological effect of being pregnant and getting your body ready to breastfeed your baby that particular um you know example mctitties <laughs> um but I, that's the part of the book that i really loved i absolutely loved doing all the research and finding out with all this shit about why we get hemorrhoids you know like what happens to your uterus after you've given birth why we have that massive bleed all that stuff that's not really explained or you kind of know that something's going to happen, but you're just not really sure exactly what it is. So yeah, yeah, I wanted to pick up on the things that I had no idea about when they happened to me and that I wish that I'd known about. And I wish that I'd known why they happened because it would have just made the whole experience a whole lot less overwhelming than it was. Um, Because particularly when I had my son, obviously it's my first baby. So I think this is quite, you know, common that I, the first like six weeks were just, I don't even know what happened. You know, I was just kind of felt like I'd been hit by a bus and just the whole physical turmoil of going through that trauma of giving birth, even though I had a really positive, you know, great birth on, you know, from a medical perspective, it was a vaginal birth. I love that. Um, (laughs) Home birth, all very lovely. But then the birth was like the least of my fucking worries. Do Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely. I, I think that's what happened when you get pregnant. You get you get so sort of everything, all the antenatal stuff, whatever. So much of it is often just about pregnancy. And then once the baby's born, the focus then shifts onto the baby. And a lot of that is about what the baby's doing, the baby's development, blah, blah, blah. And it doesn't really feel like there's too much focus on the mum. So I fucking hardly mention the kids in my book at all. I think there's one, there's one chapter, the sleep chapter is the only one that's focused on the baby, but actually that's to the for the benefit of you more than anything else so it is still focused on the mum in a roundabout way um but yeah I I, just, I loved writing it it was it was such a it was honestly the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life yeah I found it so hard it was so challenging and I was writing it in the pandemic with two small children um just trying not to completely go out of my mind uh it was yeah it, it took me a year and um a lot of tears were shed <laughs> honestly i looked at the timing of it and i thought when did you get to write this amazing book well you know what they wanted me to do it in a much quicker spare time frame and i was just like are you having a laugh i've never written a book so the longest thing i ever wrote was like a ten thousand word essay at uni that was it yeah that was about victorian photography so (laughs) it's not really it's not really relevant (laughs) to this whole thing um so it was yeah it was just like that's not gonna happen mate so luckily they were pretty flexible and gave me more time and I'd missed a couple of deadlines I was just like I can't do this I can't just pull 80,000 words out of my minge I'm like I can't I'm just not I'm not qualified to do that so I'd say yeah again you know alongside everything else in the job the, the last two years have been tough intense yeah like along with the world <laughs> you know everything yeah, yeah. And, and little kids are no joke and no. you've bloody done it like yeah so i've got a three a three-year-old and five-year-old so edith was like when i think she must have been one when we went into the pandemic i think that her first birthday was in the proper proper lockdown okay yeah um yeah so it's been it's been a lot <laughs> Oh, I love your writing. Your (laughs) writing is brilliant. It's so honest and funny and just real. You have this lovely energy, Victoria, that it's just so, this is who I am. Take it or leave it. I think that's why I'm so attracted to everything you're doing, because we need more women like you just unapologetically being themselves yeah. and just, you know, putting... Again, that's, you know, that's like what we're saying. It's that whole, like, indoctrination from very early on about what we should and shouldn't be as women. And it's strange because I do get a lot of people saying it to me. It's like, how, how, you know, I'll call my kids dicks. I don't give a shit. I'll call them dicks. And they are fucking dicks. I love them to pieces, but they still are little dickheads. Yeah. And that's my interpretation of motherhood. Not everyone's going to agree with that. And that's absolutely fine. I've got no issue if you think you're kids you know the sun shines out their ass great good for you but I don't and uh, I just think that 
talking about it, I just don't have any shame attached to it. I don't have any shame attached to talking that way or guilt. And that's the other thing for women. I think shame is such a huge emotion. Is it emotion? Do you call shame an emotion? I don't know. Oh, I, I feel it's it. It's kind of something that's created, do you know what I mean? Rather than it just exists within us. It's, but it's it, a bit but there's like, a lot of shame yeah. around motherhood, isn't there? Becoming yeah. a parent. And and like it just just feeling too ashamed to admit those kind of that things are difficult because then people will judge you and say, Oh, well, you're obviously you're not good enough mum then, are you? Oh, oh well, you chose to have kids. That's what I get all the time. It's like, yeah, I did, mate. And I didn't fucking know how hard it was gonna be, so we're gonna moan about it. <laughs> you know? Well, and the rest of the world are going, oh my God, this is hard. Like, I love how you address the keyboard, Karens. I was actually sat going through your Instagram last night, research, like, do you know what I mean? Just for our chat. And my son, he is 12. He came and sat with me and I was like, oh, Alfie, you're going to love, going to love Victoria. And he laughed. He was, oh, sorry. He was like, just laughing at the keyboard, Karen, and the trolling. Because it's true. Don't yeah. be. I can't. I know. Yeah, that's it. That is it. And I, I just, I think with these, because you know, the the depressing is the depressing thing is with those trolls is that it's it's nearly always women. It's not men saying those things to me. If it, men will say like misogynistic things, or they'll try and send me a picture of their penis, but it's the women that are really judgmental about my children, the way I parent, and you know they don't know anything because I don't even put my kids on my Instagram anyway. That was a decision that I chose to make again, probably about two years ago. Um, I just, uh, yeah, I suddenly just kind of, I I had a big surge in followers at one point and that suddenly made me feel incredibly vulnerable, um, which I'd never felt before. And I'd never really give, like I said, I don't really give it much thought that there's a massive audience watching. I just don't. But for whatever reason, I just suddenly thought, you know what? I don't want my kids on here. I I don't think that we know enough about the impact that it will have on children being online from a very uh, early age, even though they weren't like, you know, it wasn't like I was running an account that was about them. Do you know what I mean? To me, it just felt like there's too grey and too unknown and they're entitled to their autonomy as much as anybody else is. So they might not want to be on this. They might not want to have pictures of them or videos of them when they're 18 on the internet, because once it's on the internet, I see it's there forever, mate. Even if I delete it, it's still there somewhere in the huge worldwide web, isn't it? So I took them off. Um, So, so yeah, the people that are judging me just, I I don't know other than what I'm saying, they're just basing it on nothing. But I want you to know you are a phenomenal mum and you're helping other mums so much because just that release of not trying to be perfect and do it all and spin all the plates means we're being better mums for our kids. Our kids are seeing what it's like to be human as opposed to, you know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I think as well. And, you know, I do try to, I try to be the, go through the whole route of gentle parenting and I succeed most of the time. But I am also only human and I do lose my shit sometimes. And by that, all I mean is that I probably raise my voice a bit. That's the extent of it. And oh. then they'll be like, oh, oh my God, what's happened to mommy? You know, but um, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's relentless, isn't it? It is, it is. And with my own kids, I've, I've got moments where I'm like, oh my God, like I lost it when you were five years old and we came yeah, back. And still and carry and it. Yeah, they? like one of them had nicked a packet of gravy. I've taken them in the pushchair to the shop and he put a packet of gravy and another one had eaten like a bread roll from the basket. Yeah. And I was just like, oh my God. And I'm like, I feel so awful. And they're like, well, I don't remember that. <laughs> yeah, I don't, exactly. That's great. I, I stole gravy when I was three. That's amazing. Like all these things, like, I'm such a bad mum. No, yeah. no. no. Oh, no, no, you have to like self-flagellate. <laughs> I'm not a bad mum. I'm not a bad mum. That's what you got to do. It's so <laughs> true, darling. Oh my god. So, what kind of things do you do now? I'm I'm already like in awe. Not only of your work, but how you are looking after yourself. That to me is brilliant. It really is because that's something I didn't do, and I know from the women messaging me, they're not doing either. So, yeah. what kind of things do you do? 
to kind of help you stay focused on that whole self-care piece and not the bubble bath shit like the proper proper (laughs) self-care stuff um i do think this is obviously specific to me but i do think having breaks from screens is a big one and i try to do that every single day so normally you know i don't always do this but my phone for sure is gone by seven o'clock oh. away nice. because also I'm, I'm a terrible insomniac right i have really awful sleep that's linked to me being an anxious motherfucker <laughs> um but the thing with the phone and any sort of artificial light is that it it suppresses melatonin um and i'm i'm quite a highly charged i think i've probably got cortisol coursing from my veins all the time anyway and that also suppresses melatonin so those two things i i know i can fit like i can almost feel the, the stress in my face if i've been on my phone too much on the day oh, in the day yeah. and i am i am on it a lot because it's my job yeah but yeah by like seven o'clock or seven thirty i just i just have to put the phone away i will i still want to watch tv because i love fucking tv that is a big escape for me it's but i don't know how good that is for self self-care but it is a real just sort of turn off from the day, get immersed in something probably really violent that's going to keep me awake all night. But <laughs> I need to do it. I need to watch Ozark. Um, yeah, so a, a screen time is a big one. And then, like I said, particularly if it's part of your job, having those big, long breaks from it. Yeah. So just try and do like, even if it, if it doesn't even need to be like, so I, I find three days, I, I see huge benefit mentally and physically weirdly like i don't have as much as a headache my sleep's a bit better all that sort of shit so taking a break from the phone um i'd also i mean i I don't know how good i am at really at doing like proper self-care because i'm trying to think what i actually do eating well i can say eating well yeah that's really good that's really good that's a big one right there which i think it's a big one because the other thing is i think this is the thing as mums we don't have any time yeah so saying like go to go and have a massage once a week it's not gonna happen no and also that's that's money yeah exactly yeah i think so much of this self-care stuff as as everything is in the world is so linked to privilege yes and if if you're privileged enough to be able to afford to do those things fantastic knock yourself out but for the majority of people that's yeah. not not an no, option. no, because especially not now with what's happening in the world with I you know, know exactly. energy prices and all that going up, everyone's going to be screwed financially. Yeah, um, well, not everyone, but a lot of people will be. Yeah, so fuck that. But eating healthy is definitely something that you can commit to every single day because it's so easy to just get into that habit of eating shit and thinking this is what I need in the moment. It's going to make me feel temporarily better, but the fallout is not worth it for the the five minutes of pleasure that you're eating it do you know what i mean so and i still like eating treats i'm not i'm never gonna be this clean eating freak i'm I'm just not like that but if i have three decent meals a day that's what i have to try and focus on and making sure that i really get enough protein and you know healthy fat all that kind of stuff in those three meals then kind of what i eat around it is not as important yeah you know what i mean so yeah, that's a big one. And okay, the other thing, and maybe this will surprise people. I don't know. Laying off the booze. Yeah, that's what I've done too. Yeah, yeah. Really, honestly, I think this whole there's a massive culture of like wine being linked into surviving motherhood. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And it doesn't work for me. It, it it might work for some people, but for me. I still like to have a drink, but I'm not someone that would drink every day. No way. I couldn't handle it. I'd I'd be in an institution by the end of like a fortnight if I did that. And I try not to get drunk anymore. I I, I occasionally do. I, I still love it. You know, the thing is with me is once I've had a couple of drinks and if I'm out with the girls or something like that, that's it. We're all fucked because it's like, <laughs> because it's pure escapism. That, yeah. That's what it comes down to. It's less about the drink and more about the escapism. And what alcohol does is it just temporarily, like the food, temporarily makes you feel fucking fantastic. And for me, someone that's got a very overactive mind it switches that overactive mind off for a little bit which is who's that oh my god it's my husband with a towel he might get his boy out for you 
I was going to say, does he have his, does he have his pants on? No. <laughs> yeah, I'm recording a podcast here. How unprofessional. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, you know, I just think, I think booze is kind of, it's so accepted that just have a glass of wine to switch off at the end of the night. I just, I just, I don't, I think it's, it's a false economy, if you know what I mean. It, it, yeah. For me, it gives me, it makes me, feel shit afterwards i get incredible anxiety now if i was gonna say exacerbates the anxiety doesn't it it? really does oh my god like the next day not even the next day the next like three days for me yeah forget it um so i've over the last year i've massively changed my relationship to alcohol because i just knew it wasn't good for me probably in lockdown actually i know a lot of people you know got more into the booth in lockdown but it had the opposite effect on me i I really went off it and actually i find now i find wine is probably the worst thing for me to drink so i really do avoid wine i'll just have a gin tea if i'm going to drink anything and have like one of those little cans maybe two on a friday that's it that's enough for me just like yeah. a little a little tipple, but yeah, just I think it's a complete myth that it's good for us. <laughs> it really is. And I think a lot of mums, and certainly when I was really knee deep in my burnout and like completely denying it, it's that all the coffee until all the wine. And it's that yeah. awful vicious circle. And you don't even realise you're jumping on that hamster wheel. And then you're like, yeah. I don't even know how to get off now. But I know, meanwhile, that's it. like your anxiety and your nervous system is just like through the roof, isn't it? Yeah, big yeah. time. I, I don't, I only drink decaf coffee as well. Like that's mainly because I have a cup of coffee and I literally do liquid diarrhea immediately. <laughs> you're like, no, your sister's like, no, get out of there. <laughs> so I can't. And then I'm like, this, hi, 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 hi. Like my heart rate is just so fucking high, I can't handle it. I, I had a you know what I had a caffeinated coffee by mistake. Um, someone obviously I got one at a shop and they obviously hadn't heard decaf and they gave it to me. <laughs> I was at London Bridge and I literally was like having this existential experience of like like leaving my body and flying up and like seeing myself. I was like, oh my god, I need to come down. I need a downer. What's a downer? You know. Down from caffeine. I don't know. Oh, it's horrible. horrible. So, yeah, avoid that at all costs. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Oh, I love how you you, you pointed out that, you know, massages and things like that, they they can, you know, they cost money and not everyone has access to that because Mm. that's a huge beef for me. Um, And just because I haven't been able to uh, work or earn for, I mean, I could, I'm like, I'm nearly two years recovering really? from this. But it was bad. It was really, really bad. Yeah. Um, and so I'm so like careful with my money. And, yeah. um, but I think that's something that we all kind of, you know, clue into and go, oh, I need to have a massage. I need to do this. I need to do that. That's self-care. No, you're right. Like actually eat the apple instead of the Kit Kat. Yeah. Like, you know, doing those little things for your day. Yeah, and the thing is with the food, I shop at LD. So it's not like I'm going to fucking Waitrose or anything and buying really expensive shit. I'm not. I'm just, I just eat a lot of, I don't eat meat. Um, I just eat fish. I eat lots of fish, lots of vegetables, um, lots of like nice whole grains, those kind of things. And I love cooking. I love it. For me, that is a big escapism as well, because like I said about my overactive brain, um, I can switch off when I'm cooking because all I'm focused on is what I'm creating. And so, you know, I haven't had a kitchen now for three months because I'm going through this bloody renovation. (laughs) These three months have been testing. All right. Testing. It's been so hard. Been so I've been living in chaos. So, yeah, the only things that I've been able to, like, really control with the self-care is what I eat. And that's been hard with a shit kitchen, but I've managed to do it. Um, and then, obviously, not the, not drinking and having this time off my phone. All of those things are free. In fact, you're going to save yourself money if you don't drink. Yeah. Oh, my God, that's amazing. That's, that's incredible for someone to listen. So to a mum listening to this, she's heard all of that. And she's she's struggling. What else would you say to a mum struggling right now? I think that you've always got to talk about what's going on and how you're feeling. And obviously for me, I have that outlet through my Instagram. I've also been very lucky to meet. I've met one woman that um, through nursery who has a son that's like the same age as my kids. Yeah. And um, in fact, she's just had her second baby. She's like got a 
and ten week old, and her. Like, I've been reliving the newborn experience through her, and fuck my life, I've forgotten how shit it is. I really had forgotten how fucking hard that shit is. So anyway, I've met her, and and honestly, she lives five minutes walk from my house, and I don't know what I'd do without her. Yeah, we we pretty much text every single day. If we if it's gone a couple of days, we check in with her. We see each other all the time because we might bump into other. No drop off. I haven't had a washing machine. I've been using her washing machine every other day. Like we look after each other, and we get it. And because she's on maternity leave, I've been seeing so much of her. Just popping around for a cup of tea, whatever. Just being able to have her, and we are on the exact same page yeah. when it comes to motherhood and parenting, all the rest of it. And we just have a laugh. Yeah, we have a laugh, and I I love her. And I say, yeah, because of the, her closeness, proximity-wise, obviously that's a really difficult one because not everyone's just going to suddenly make a really good friend <laughs> that lives five minutes from the house. But I think it's those, if you've got anyone that you really get on well with, that you trust and that you know that you can say whatever the fuck you need to say without them judging you, you need to be talking to that person and keeping yeah. up that contact and that regular communication. However that is, if you can't get to see them, then you call them on the phone or you FaceTime, whatever, even yeah. WhatsApp voice notes. WhatsApp voice notes are the mum's best friend because we haven't got time to text. We haven't got time to call, but we want to hear your voice and have that sense of interaction that isn't just, you know, words on a screen. I love a WhatsApp voice message. I get excited when I get a WhatsApp. I'm like, yes, who's this? You know, I know it's <laughs> lovely. You can just unload the dishwasher while you're listening. Well, yeah, you to can just them. do it. Exactly. And you can oh. be walking, doing the school drop off, doing them. I love them. I think they're, they're yeah. absolutely great. It's yeah, so talk about it. Just fucking talk about it. Talk about how shit is. Yeah. And don't feel that, you know, it's bad or wrong for ever admitting otherwise, because it's really not. And I do find that the more honest that you are, the more you find your people, if you know yes. what I mean. Yeah. Because, you know, if you drop a little, oh, what a little shed in the nursery crew of parents, you'll pretty you'll work out immediately who's on board. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, and, over and here with me. Like, I'll be friends with you. <laughs> Definitely not you. You know. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's hard making friends as well isn't it especially someone that's really shy but um i can remember with the friend that i'm talking about jenna that we crossed over and she was really smiley and friendly anyway and um i think she had said oh my god it's just been such a dickhead at drop off and i was like yes you got my people i was like that oh my god so i'm quite intense i think i'm quite intense with like when i meet someone that i really have that bond with i'll just be like fucking yeah man i love you so much you know i love hard and fierce (laughs) oh and i love how you've spoken about connecting with norva who you have the podcast with no whole spot that was a similar where you're just like okay I like what you're doing. Like yeah. we're on the same page. And that Nora, sense of community is really important, isn't it? Big time. And Laura, so she's called Knee Deep on Life. And I'm sure everyone follows her. She's got a massive account. Um, and she's hilarious. But Laura is another person in my life who I message pretty much on a daily basis. And we are voice note slags. We absolutely love a voice note. We have our podcast together, No Holds Barred, and we record that every week. And that check-in with her, because I don't have any colleagues, do I? I was just me on my own. So I have my agent, but she's in an office somewhere and we only ever really text. I might meet up with her really occasionally. But I don't I don't have any human interaction in the week. So if my husband works from home, I really like that because then I'm like, hi, I can go and annoy him when I get bored. Or just ignore him. That's generally what we do. Um, but yeah, to have her and also to have her as an ally in the industry that we work in, I don't know what I'd do without her because we get like no one gets it like her. Because yes. unless you're in it, you don't understand it. Which is like anything, isn't it? But to be able to have that soundboard to to go to and say like, well, I'm, I feel shit. This is happening. I, I just I don't know what's going. I don't know if I want to do this anymore. All this kind of stuff. We basically take it in turns to do that, and then the other one just goes right. I'm just gonna say, <laughs> and then like you know addresses it and makes the other person feel better. So yeah, she's a huge part of my life, Laura, from a business sense um, as much as in a personal sense because we've become really fucking good friends i just wish she didn't live so far away but there you go that's someone for me who i rely on on a daily basis she lives in portsmouth i'm in london we just voice note and then yeah. obviously we do we do check in on that podcast and we record for two hours on a monday and it's like you know the highlight of my week and i always come off that call just feeling 
so sort of like I'm buzzing I'm like full of energy I've had a really good laugh and just yes it's lovely I love it and we talk about really hilarious stuff as well like we get sent some mad shit that people have been doing all sorts of objects they've been sticking up their bums and vaginas <laughs> and just laugh at that <laughs> That's so true. Keep your highlighters on your desk. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's so important to have someone to hold that mirror for you, isn't it? Because, um, you know, you can feel so lost, so lonely, so isolated. And um, and you say, like, you know, guilt and shame, like, they're man-made emotions. We, we, We shouldn't have to... You know, I'm sure Brené Brown's probably got. Oh my we god! I was just going to say yeah. that to you. I'm like, like oh, go shit. follow her. Go <laughs> yeah, follow I need her. to go and like follow the thread. What? What did you say about that, Brené? Right, I'll tell you another thing with that self-care thing. This is an easy thing to do. Yeah. Unfollow anyone on your Instagram feed that makes you feel like shit. That is so easy. It will take you an hour. Just it will take you probably probably less than that. Just literally, if if anyone makes you feel insignificant, triggers you makes you feel unhappy, makes you feel angry, gone. Just unfollow them. It will honestly make such a huge difference to you and your mental health, just not having that triggering shit in your feed. Yeah, absolutely. You'll feel 10 times lighter because you've already got an inner critic that you're trying to battle with. You don't need anyone else. And if you can't unfollow them for whatever reasons, um, then you can mute them. Yes, family, extended family, those kind of people, just, yeah. Yeah, that you can't because it would cause a drama. Just unmute them. Oh, just sorry, mute them. Yes, absolutely. Oh, Victoria, you have given us so much, like, (laughs) oh, gold, light. Oh, it's just been amazing. Thank you so much for this brilliant chat. Thank you so much for having me. I don't know, have you got time? At the end of every... um, Oh yeah, you want to do little things. things like yeah, because yeah, everyone answers differently. So okay. on your dodgy days, do you yeah. move your body or move the remote? Move my body. Oh, good for you. Yeah, I love exercise. I really do. That's that's another thing. Oh, this could go that on the bloody put it on the self care list. But um, I do. I do exercise every single week, probably three times if I can. Um, and you know, it's like, where do you fit that in? I don't take my son to school until 8.30. We leave the house at 8.30. They're fucking up at six, mate. That gives me two and a half hours to sort. I mean, obviously, I'm not having to get ready to go to a job. I work from home, so I do understand. Even that in itself is a privilege. But I do the workout. Probably if I do it at seven, then I'm done by half seven. Only half an hour. Have a shower. Get dressed. Get kids sorted. Bang. Done. And I'll try and do that three times a week. Oh, my God. You're bloody brilliant. I well, it. I have to, because otherwise I'm I'm mad. You know? <laughs> it really helps, kind of, yes. It calms me down. And I can feel it when I'm like, oh, God, I really need to do some exercise, because it just releases, seems to just release negativity. Well, I mean, it does. It, it produces yes. serotonin and all the rest of it. It, it. We know it's good for us. It's all this stuff. Yeah. We all know what's good for us. It's just being asked to do it. I think that's it, isn't it? It is. Yeah. But you're you're really good at putting those little habits, making those little differences in your day. Yeah. Oh, well done, lovey. Okay, bag of almonds or bag of Maltesers? Can I have both at the same time? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'd do. Whatever you bloody like. (laughs) I'd probably do Malteser stacked between an almond on the bottom and an almond on the top. (laughs) And then the guilt is surrounded by wholesome goodness. So, therefore, it's absolved. (laughs) Cancelled or done. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> now do you tend to ask for help or are you happy to hermit i'm probably more of a hermiter i'd yeah. say yeah which uh i don't think is always helpful but i kind of forget that i can ask for help do you know what i mean i just forget well you my mum my mum will always be like why didn't you call me and i just think you know what it didn't even cross my mind yeah. so then maybe that's something i need to unpick in therapy <laughs> so true i'm working on that at the moment why do why do you struggle to say i don't know, I I don't know. Do. yeah it doesn't even occur to me it's very strange no, no okay and then what's one self-compassionate thing you're gonna do today oh you know what i'd say if my husband wasn't here i would have had a wank but um Ooh, he's little, here yes little ounce of pleasure there i would i would yeah. have done that and that oh you know my wank schedule has been very disrupted with all this building going on 
Maybe that's why I've been such a crazy bitch because I haven't been, you know, having enough orgasms. That's what it is. I mean, but, um, the parquet flooring, it's beautiful. It's only going to get us so far. But I need my bean tickles <laughs> by an electronic device. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, well, hopefully those days will return soon. Yeah, love it. Maybe. <laughs> Fucking they better do. I've had enough now. I want to cook some dinner. And then have a wank. That's all I want to do in peace and quiet. You know what? Simple Without pleasure. just settling on my labia. That's what I want. That's <laughs> what I want. A pinch of dust. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Victoria, you are a bloody legend, darling. Thank you so much for today. It's been Thank incredible. You. Thanks so much. Thank okay, you. bye. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Everyday Burnout Conversations. Please check the show notes for any links to items discussed today. And the original music and sound editing is by Chris Taylor. If you've enjoyed this podcast and have a spare few minutes, then it would be absolutely amazing if you could leave me a happy starry rating and review. It really does help this podcast reach a little further. And I just love it to land in the lap of those who, like me, last year are perhaps feeling isolated and lonely in their burnout struggle. Please note, this podcast is not intended as medical advice. Remember, you matter. So don't hesitate to reach out to your doctor or mental health professional for support if you're having a rough time. Wishing you a great week and take good care of yourself. Bye for now.